Welcome to the Humanity Matters Podcast, where we discuss philosophy, faith, leadership, nonprofits, and a host of social issues. We want to add value and understanding the dignity and freedom of human beings. For more information, visit the website philipfletcher.org. And now, the Humanity Matters Podcast. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Dr. Philip Fletcher here, and you're about to hear the second part of a two-part interview I had with Drew Foote as we are uh, discussing what it means to be a black American. So enjoy. Take care. God bless. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Dr. Philip Fletcher, and I'm with Drew Foote, and we are sitting continuing a two-part interview concerning uh, being uh, a black American male or female here in America. And so I'm going to let Drew take it from here with this interview and questions. How you doing, Drew? Hey, I'm doing great. Wait, good. maybe not. You want I'm to? good. Okay, I'm good. sweet. <laughs> got to shake hands. Yes. Yeah. I sanitized before I came in here. That's good. All right, so we left off in part one where I had asked you the question about... Um, Parts of uh, what part of black culture that's been overlooked? Yeah, and you pretty much talked about how everyone focuses on the 200 years of slavery, but there's so much before and after yeah. mm-hmm. kind of contributions to um, to culture at large too. And so the question I want to pick up with, like, how do you personally feel about that, and what have you observed about uh, with other black men and women, how mm-hmm. they feel? when they, like, as they feel about, like, certain parts of black culture being overlooked? Like, what's yeah. the responses? Yes, like, I think the dominant, uh, the dominant thought is uh, for many black Americans and males, they want, they do not want the events of slavery, uh, the events that came out of the Civil War, Jim Crow, segregation, those things to be forgotten. Mm-hmm. Okay? Um, my my encouragement to those same persons, though, is is to remember that we had a history or ancestors had a history leading up to the 1600s here in America. So our cultural history, our existence, our knowledge and so on and so forth, the things that we do um, did not necessarily begin here, but have origins in other countries and. Uh, by God's grace, uh, many of those elements survived uh, tribal wars, the transatlantic slave trade, survived slavery, and all the other elements. Uh, like you look at music, right? Uh, you look at the phenomenon, what would be called call and response, that you see in uh, many black churches. If you look at uh, the expressive dancing and things that are found in uh, black fraternities and sororities. Many of those elements have their origins in uh, African cultures, mm-hmm. right? So those elements survived uh, all those uh, traumatic events that happened uh, mm-hmm. through slavery and through the other events here in America. And so while we should, so it's a, it's a tension that we've got a hold of. Uh, yes, there's some traumatic events that have happened, 
but look at the, the number of things that survived through those events, okay? And much like any other culture, I can go to Jewish culture. Yeah. They, they, while like the Holocaust was a significant event, mm-hmm. they hold on to all of their history, yeah. you know, from, you know, whatever you understand about the Old Testament and the Bible and Israel, yeah. whether religiously or just nationally, politically, they, they've held on to all of that. And the Holocaust was a, dang, you know, that yeah. sucked, yeah. right? That suck is not even a word for it, but they continue on. You can look at different Asian cultures, mm-hmm. um, different expressions of Asian culture, whether Japanese, Chinese, Filipino. They've had events happen in their lives, but they're maintaining the whole of their culture, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, so I just want the same thing for us. Mm-hmm. And so it's necessary that people not keep us, um, our minds, in a victimhood mentality. But yeah. actually, we're victors. But, you know, that's, that's my two cents worth. On that. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so I'm going to ask you some questions about obstacles. And before mm-hmm. I do, you know, I feel like every ethnicity has certain obstacles. Like even, that is white, correct. even white men and women mm-hmm. have their own set of obstacles. Right. To success, right. So I'm curious, what if, what have you observed, or what what do you know about the obstacles that black men and women face to mm-hmm. success mm-hmm. in our country? And of course, success is a very vague term. Right, right, right. So I'll, I'll answer it this way: uh, every human being in America has the opportunity to achieve whatever success it is that they want, mm-hmm. right? Uh, my success is different than your success because there are a number of factors that shape who I am, that shape who you are. Mm -hmm. And as a consequence, my understanding of what success is is going to be somewhat different than yours. Mm -hmm. Right now, culturally, you know, buy a house, get married, white picket (laughs) fence, you know, two kids and a dog. You know, that was, you know, my parents growing up, I'm sure for your parents, that mm-hmm. was the kind of like the benchmark of what American success is, yeah. right? Yeah. Now, it's, so that's one thing, right? Uh, but then for individual success, uh, it it's negotiated by a certain number of variables. Now, when you're looking at a group, right? So you're talking about uh, African uh, Americans, Black Americans, uh, Asian Americans. Caucasian Americans, so on and so forth. Even if you look at those groups, they have different emphasis, mm-hmm. right? Like, have you ever wondered why there are more black entertainers, mm-hmm. right, than Asian entertainers? Oh, why yeah. are there more Asians who are more focused on, say, technology and mathematics? That's their thing, right? You've got blacks who are more. Uh, performance oriented we'll say that right so you've got athletics you've got um uh, music dance those kind of things right if you think about it the biggest artists of the 20th century were who michael jackson yeah. you got prince yeah. you've got james brown you, you know these are you know you've got your outliers like elvis so on and so forth yeah. but these worldwide phenomenons it wasn't asian people it wasn't necessarily white people right yeah, yeah. i mean you can count the beatles right but like Michael Jackson came on the scene and just I remember growing up he laid waste to people like <laughs> falling out and, yeah, you know so yeah. everybody's got the opportunity individual groups got an opportunity 
but then each one of these groups, for a number of reasons, they their success goes different ways, mm-hmm. right? But that does not mean you're not going to have like a Jeremy Lin mm-hmm. playing in the NBA. Sure. doesn't mean you're not going to have a um, John H. Johnson, who is a major uh, entrepreneur, billionaire, but he's black, but his emphasis is on entertainment. Black Entertainment Television, uh, Ebony Magazine, so on and so forth, right? Uh, But then you got to ask yourself, like, when Asians and Indians come over here to the United States, their focus is more math-oriented, science-oriented. Now, as far as the obstacles, you're right. Everybody's got their obstacles, individually and then as groups, okay? I would argue that we have obstacles that can be imposed on us, but then can also be self-imposed as well. Um, As far as imposed on us, what I mean is uh, when you look at, you know, for that period of time, slavery, uh, reconstruction, Jim Crow, segregation, those were obstacles that were put in place by government, right? Blacks go here, whites go here, you know. Blacks going to be in these schools, whites going to be in these schools. Separate but equal, so on and so forth, right? You can ride this bus, not this bus. This water fountain, not that water fountain. When the goal was, can we have equal treatment under the law, right? But those obstacles were still put in place, and some would argue that because of those obstacles, it put us behind uh, economically, politically, so on and so forth, right? Uh, Others have argued, um, and I think I referenced this in our last sit-down, uh, you had this this tension that was faced between W.E.B. Du Bois and Booker T. Washington, where Du Bois was more about political power, right? And what he called a talented 10th. These individuals, this 10%, this like smart elite can help the overall black community in America overcome many of these obstacles. Where he had in the South, Booker T. Washington was like, let's just do good at what we do good at, right? Let's overcome our obstacles this way. Let's build economic power. Let's be good entrepreneurs and tradesmen and things like that. And so you have, even today, two different streams of thought of how are we going to deal with our obstacles, right? Is it politically or is it economically, right? How are we going to negotiate these obstacles that were once imposed upon us, now been removed, right? Now many would argue if you want to get to wherever it is you want to get to in life, many of the obstacles have been removed from you, the legal ones, right? Now it's more, uh, well, you've got public education, that's free, right? Yeah. Now what are you going to do with it, right? Mm-hmm. You've got the opportunity to go into a trade, right, and get that going to a junior college, if you will, or, or working with a plumber or electrician or something like that, being an apprentice. Uh, if you don't choose that, what about it? If someone's giving you a substantial amount of money and you choose to invest it more in material things than things of, that are going to be long-term wealth building, that's an obstacle you're putting in place. So yeah. I would argue, or I would say, as far as obstacles, um, the obstacles are as various as the number of persons that are out there. Okay. And how people negotiate those obstacles um, depends large part on their own willingness, right? 
Secondly, the people that got around them that can either encourage them yeah. to get around those obstacles or those people can be an obstacle themselves, right? Uh, and thirdly, uh, with that willingness with other people around them, um, just some overall hard work. And, mm-hmm. and you're going to have as many, well, I've said, you're going to have more failures than successes. But the, the, the multitude of those failures are just stepping stones to that one big success you're going to have. But then what are you going to do with that success? Yeah. Um, so uh, I would say when working with people, it's understanding their story first, mm-hmm. that individual. Um, okay. Yes, they're in a group, right? Sure. But that person does not embody everything about the group, yeah. right? And yeah. so it's important to understand their story. And then from there, work with them to figure out a game plan, a plan of action to mm-hmm. move forward. Mm-hmm. Okay, sweet. Uh, we talked about last time, um, we already covered this, never mind, how someone can work without patronizing and parental honorary. Yeah. We already covered that. Okay, so I've got just a couple more questions that I'd like to spend the rest of our time on. They all kind of surround, uh, black men and women, mm-hmm. uh, relationship with mental health. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. So my first question is, what are some perceptions that you've seen of black men and women around you mm-hmm. um, towards mental health, mental illness, and counseling and psychotherapy? Yeah, so um, working, you know, the perception is, I got it, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. Like, um, I'm going to figure it out. Uh, or there is the possibility that what's going on is a person is not just being obedient to his or her authorities, okay. mainly familial authorities, okay. right? Um, which can then spiral out into law enforcement and things like that, right? So for at a time, for many, mental health was looked at more as, you know, you was like crazy. Yeah. Like you did so much drugs, like you was just gone, <laughs> yeah. right? It, yeah. Um, but now uh, more and more black men and women are becoming cognizant about the importance of mental health right and uh, being aware of themselves uh, and being what's the term self care and things like that yeah. um, there's a guy who's rocking it um, his name is Lorenzo Lewis okay. I believe he's in Little Rock and he does this project in barbershops discussing mental health Um, Yeah, so, you know, more generally, you got black males coming into a barbershop, and uh, they're doing, uh, you know, things about mental health. You should look them up. It's Lorenzo Lewis. Lorenzo P. Lewis is his name. That's awesome. Um, And so there, he's got, you know, you got a space already where black males, for the most part, are coming once a week or every two weeks to get their hair cut, right? And he's providing a space for them to talk about things that are going on in their lives right now mental health that could do with a whole bunch of things like um, relationships with parents uh, relationships with law enforcement relationships with how to negotiate this this world as a black male in america Uh, for females i know there's a lot a lot of work being done i have a friend um uh, lakita norris she is uh, down in little rock and she does a lot of uh counseling uh, with uh, uh, black men and women as well. So the 
what I grew up understanding and knowing as kind of like that was taboo or it was just you just need to act right right why was it so taboo because no one wants to be looked at as crazy Mm -hmm. yeah I found the same thing in the military too yeah like it was the same thing you you know the military was you need to drive on so you want to be known to be physically physically strong mentally strong right so any uh evidence of possible weakness you know you're talking about mentally you know that could have effects and promotions and and things like that so a lot of people held that in until you know you get back and now you're dealing with PTSD and all those other issues Uh, so I'm hopeful uh, as more black men and women feel comfortable talking about it openly you know I see that on social media Uh, people like the Lorenzo Lewis or Makita Norris, who are leading in counseling to help people uh, with their mental health and, and everything that's um, related to that. And, you know, at the end of the day, and I work a lot with kids, it's just giving people an opportunity and space to talk mm-hmm. and be able to cry, right, or be angry, giving them that space to just like, I'm just about to let this emotional stuff loose, yeah. right, instead of keeping it all in, mm-hmm. because at some point, it's going to come out. Yeah. Right, it's going to come out some way, um, and I think it's just better the more we confront it in a very loving manner, and in a, in a manner in which people feel as if they're not going to be looked down upon or judged in that moment. Yeah. Right? Because yeah. we would all be honest. We all have them. We just all demonstrate them differently. Right? Yeah. We all try to cope with something yeah. differently. You know, like mine is going to the gym. You know, or writing, that's my thing, right? Yeah. Uh, but other people, um, you know, they turn to other things, and sometimes some of those other things destructive. can be destructive, you know? And, yeah. yeah. Um, okay, so I want to get into, with that, so my next question is for, especially this is super practical for me, as I move forward and graduate and practice with clients mm-hmm. in the future, what do you see being important issues to be aware of as a white therapist working with black men and women? Mm. What do you think things that I should specifically be aware of with mm-hmm. working with that with those specific? Yeah, clients? I think so. Part of it is the uh, the like again. So if you know we're in this if we're in this. Room, we're in this coffee shop right now, right? Yeah. And if everybody in here, hypothetically, was a black male and female, mm-hmm. right? Um, if I were to walk out in that room, there are 50 different stories, Yeah. right? Absolutely. So one is, take again, taking each person individually, yeah. right? Yeah. But also, again, uh, persons who are similar, we'll just say in characteristics, right? Yeah. Um, more than likely, they have a shared understanding of, of who they're related to, yeah. right? So I think it's helpful to understand their influences, okay? Um, so influences musically, right? I think it's good to hear a little bit of rap, yeah. right? What are they talking about? Now, rap, depending on where you fall, I mean, what time period you're falling in, yeah. You know, so now you, you know, listening to what's Drake got to say? What is Future got to say? What does Kendrick Lamar have to say? Chance the Rapper have to say, right? That's this 
time period, right? It's more than likely shaping that demographic of people that's in this coffee shop right yeah. now, right? Yeah. So it's understanding them musically. But also, rap is not the only thing that black people listen to, right? There's R&B, there's soul, there's neo-soul, right? There's jazz, there's blues, right? So getting an understanding of like what possibly is shaping how they view the world, right? Things that they're reading, right? Now, again, uh, it's a... Person to person basis. Person to person basis. But you can look at, there are people out there, uh, black men and women, who are writing directly to the black community, yeah. right? So you've got a Ta-Nehisi Coates. Okay. Um, you've got a, a Coleman Hughes. You've got a Thomas Sowell, uh, Walter Williams, uh, J.C. Riley. You've got um, some of the old hats that people are rediscovering, like W.E.B. Du Bois and uh, Malcolm X, Martin Luther King. They're always being read um, uh, and you've got some elements of uh, uh, oh James Baldwin you know he's been rediscovered he's pretty popularized right now so that's shaping how they're viewing the world politi- politically and through literature right that they could be reading um, I kind of test on it economically too like with a Walter Williams or Thomas Sowell uh, and then you know religiously as well now Religiously in the black community, you've got got it, Christianity, right? And when I mean Christianity, more Protestant and Catholic, right? Black Protestants and black Catholics, but even more specifically, blacks who are in the black church tradition, right? So AMEs and AME Zion and um, CME, right? Pentecostal type churches. Uh, Then you've got the strain of what's called Hebrew Israelite, right? Um, That are so it's like, so in the 60s, there was like the nation of Islam. Like there was like, mm, big, right? They, they were the counter to uh, black Christianity, okay? Uh, today, the nation of Islam was not as big uh, with Minister Louis Farrakhan. They have influence still. Uh, but now you have what's called Hebrew Israelites, right? So that may shape some people's thinking, right? Uh, and then Christianity. And then, you, you know, you have some that are just... Agnostic yeah. and atheist, yeah. right? Not finding a black atheist is pretty rare, <laughs> right? Yeah, because more than likely um, they've had some exposure to spirituality and religion. Yeah. So you'll find some uh, black male and females who are not even Hebrew Israelites. They're just spiritual, mm-hmm. right? So this picking up a little bit of everything, everything right? Um, so I say all I have to say to get a familiarity of those things gives you a kind of a base level understanding of who it is that you're sit, that's sitting in front of you. Yes. I say that because for so long, like for myself, I've, I'm, I'm immersed in a Western European culture. All right? America at its founding was founded by white guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It was a British colony. Yeah. Right? Got it. There was Native Americans. There was Indians here. Uh, there were blacks here, but as far as the culture that we see today, yeah. right, it was shaped by uh, white Western European, male and female. I'm going to be clear about that, male and female. Um, so I understand your history, right? I understand your approach to religion and things like that. So I can move in your circles, right, and adapt. But the question becomes, if I flipped it, could you move in my circle? Yeah. And more than likely, the answer is no, mm-hmm. right? Could I 
if um, when I was stationed in Korea, uh, when I was in the military, I had to get some information and read what it what it is to live in Korea. The dynamics, the dynamics that this place is separated by war, North and South Korea. People look at it differently. They look at Americans differently. I had to get a base level understanding of that so I can move in their, their nation, right? And their culture. I had to learn some words. Mm-hmm. I had to learn some language, right? Yeah. yeah. And I think the same thing is possible and is necessary to make you a successful counselor. And um, I think people will respond to that, you know, uh, very powerfully. Because, you know, most times, whether we say it or not, sometimes we want to sit across somebody that's like us mm-hmm. in some way, right? Yeah. But if I can't find somebody that's like me, can I find somebody that at least has a, who's sympathetic to me? Mm-hmm. And if you learn a little bit about them, that sympathy is there, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you never know. You can drop some, drop some K-Dot, that's Kendrick Lamar, yeah. right? And yeah. some counseling. They'll be like, oh, for real? Yeah, <laughs> right? That's awesome. You yeah. know, so. That's cool. All right, um, let me look back over some of these questions, yeah. see if there's any I just skipped over. Um, you kind of answered several of them in one answer, so that was really good. Exceptions, obstacles, things I need to be aware of. Hmm. I guess um, if I could flip that, and you may not we may not spend a lot of time here, but if I flip it, what are some things that, and this kind of fits into the answer you just gave, but I'm wondering if there's anything that would, if we flip it, what are some things that I need to be like sensitive to so that I'm not insensitive? Is, do you get what I'm, what I'm asking? Yes, so, I do. Yeah, 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 yeah. Cool. I think you should be sensitive to not, I, I think you need to check whatever it is that you know about black people at the door, right? A lot of times we are informed by media, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. We're informed by some type of negative experience that we may have had, right? You may be informed by, we're informed by positive experiences too. Again, when you are in that session and you're meeting that person for the first time, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, you should act as if this is the first time you've met this person who is from this culture. Yeah. Right? Um, So what you're being sensitive to ultimately is their humanity. Mm -hmm. And then what, I guess in counseling sessions, whatever they're free to share, they're choosing to share, right? Then you go from there, right? Mm -hmm. If they're not interjecting anything that has specifically to do with their color of their skin, yeah, don't impose it on them. Yeah. If they're there just to express, I hurt because somebody hurt me. Yeah. Okay. You're hurt because somebody hurt you. Yeah. Right? That's and then super how do you how do you respond to a hurt person? Mm-hmm. Right? Now, if you know they come and say, you know, I'm experiencing uh, what I'm feeling is a level of racism at my job and this is weighing on me, creating anxiety and mm-hmm. depression or, or things like that. Then you're gonna have to go do some homework. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Not I will say not give an immediate answer, yeah. right? You're make, making notes, right? Yeah. And then you gotta go do some research mm-hmm. on the impact of racism in the workplace. 
come up with some possible, you know, whatever solutions, whatever happens to counseling, yeah. right, to, for that next session. Um, that's how you can be sensitive to it. So not pres- approaching a person the first time is just another human being. Um, when you hear information that is new and it's foreign, don't give an immediate answer, but go do some research. Go talk to some other people, mm-hmm. right? Um, no, obviously without violating confidentiality, but just doing some like intense and like, hey, so this is what I've learned. Mm-hmm. Am I far off? You may go through your own counseling that one, that yeah. one session. Yes. You may, right? And that's good, but that's just going to help you be a better counselor for the next person that comes along yeah. who probably has experienced something like that. Mm-hmm. You know? And yeah. then you're able to draw again from those experiences, but at the same time, checking that until it's uh, my, revealed to you. Yeah, not taking my beliefs in like uh, past experience yeah. or mm-hmm. you know, like yeah. or assumptions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I promise you'll have that one person one day and they may say, yeah, racism, there's no such thing as racism, right? And you just be like, <laughs> okay, right? And, but you got you to be like, okay. Yeah. That's their experience, yeah. right? And, yeah. and you have to approach them at their experience and not make a judgment on their life experience. Yeah, dude. You sure you don't want to be a counselor? No. <laughs> no. no. I do it, I do it uh, informally every day, I think. Uh-huh. So. And most of the time, I'm just listening, nodding my head. And I just yeah. be like, oh, okay. How you feel about that? Yeah. You need somebody to help you? Yeah. I point you to somebody because yeah. I know my ceiling, you know. Mm. So I know my ceiling. Yeah. yeah. Man, there's a lot of good stuff there. That's really helpful. That's definitely gonna be my highlight. Just the whole checking it at the door. Yeah. And and treating that person, you know, not looking at their at the group, but looking at the human. Right. 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 Man, I think that's I think that's it. You covered everything. Okay. So, um, do you have any other general comments about just the just? Do you have any general comments that or insights about being a black man or woman inside? Yeah, I don't know culture and how to you know. I don't know. I feel like. Oh yeah, I, I do. I was. Um... You know, Facebook brings up memories and stuff like that. Yes. Well, yeah, yeah. So, um, I posted something a year ago, uh, and I'd like to go back and understand why I posted that. But anyways, <laughs> so yeah, it is. And, and uh, so, basically, we have more opportunities than our ancestors did. We have more freedoms than our ancestors did. We have more economic opportunities than our ancestors did. We have more political power than our ancestors did. Let's use it appropriately mm-hmm. for the good of ourselves and others. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I would say, uh, you know, always to my black brothers and sisters. But then I would remind persons who are not within this ethnic group to see that as well. Mm-hmm. Stop seeing us as uh, children that that need to be carried, right? But rather, we're human beings who want to be acknowledged, yeah. right? For what we, who we are and what we are doing and treat us accordingly, you know? Um, just like any other 
human being. I want to treat you not according. Who said this famously? I don't want to treat you to the core of your skin, right? But uh, according to who you are, and and who you are is a a man, a woman made in the image and likeness of God. Yeah. So that's how I would close it. Dude, I really appreciate you taking the time. Yeah. Me with me, share your your knowledge, your wisdom. Yeah. Your thoughts. It's good questions because uh, people don't ask me these questions a lot. Really? No, not not really. What kind of questions do you usually get? Uh, you know, it's typically uh, more so how do you respond to some racist thing or something like that. And, and I'm like, I don't want to deal with all that. What I'm, what I'm trying to deal with is like, how do we like progress like forward, right? And looking yeah. at all the... It, I'm not a... I'm, I'm a realist. I, yeah. I just see water in the glass, right? So there's like water in the glass. Can we drink it, right? You know, just clean the smudge off, off the glass yeah. and let's drink that joker. Like if there's someone trying to break the glass... I got it. We got things in place to deal with that. But what I'm concerned about is how can we bring out the best in people? And I believe uh, there's some good in all of us. Mm-hmm. Hitler challenges my assumptions, but ooh, it is what it is. <laughs> um, you know, there's those few out there that challenge your assumptions. You'd be like, ah! Yeah, dude. But, you know, at the end of the day, I don't want to be at, I don't want to hear like, oh, you're a different kind of black guy, you know? You know, I don't want to hear that stuff because yeah, no. I'm about ready to, my, I have this, I, I can have this tendency to be like, I'm about to eviscerate you. <laughs> and, and I can just be like, oh, you're a different kind of white person. You're not yeah. married to your cousin or your sister. <laughs> Where's your white sheet at? Did you hang it up or a suit? You know, because you don't. So you don't want to address me from a stereotypical position. Don't let me. You know. So I digress. I I think it's just interesting because you know if I was sitting like if I was sitting across the table from another another black man or woman Mm -hmm. it's interesting you just get you can get a totally different experience because they're a totally different human Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know and their their experiences are unique to them Mm -hmm. like what you've been saying this whole interview just the same thing like with with everyone here you know I can sit at every table just like you said so that's it's super and that's really good for me that I'm going to write about in my reflection paper is like in this multicultural counseling class Mm -hmm. It's really easy to, to do like broad strokes. Right. You know, because we only have four months to be in this yeah. class. And so yeah. it's just like, you know, but I think it's super valuable to take to the class. And it's like, hey, you know, we can do our best to look at a whole group, but you're really just kind of missing a lot by mm-hmm. just looking at a group. Yeah. You know, and I think it's the meat. And like one thing that I think insight you've given me is that it's kind of, demeaning the person as an individual to, to say, let me ask you questions and like about you as a group, like right. you represent an entire group of people, right. which kind of like steals their individualism mm-hmm. and their mm-hmm. uniqueness. Mm-hmm. You yeah. Know? Cause I'm like, nobody made me president of the group. Cause yeah. <laughs> I ain't getting paid for it. Like, yeah. I'm like, yeah, I'm like, cause you know, the, if you flip it, cause it's not, if I came in and I'm not, I'm picking on this stuff because it's like been hammered at people the last three years. Yeah. If I came to you and said, hey, so tell me, what are white supremacists thinking? Yeah. 
Yes. And I be, I hope he would be like, well, heck, I don't know what they figured. <laughs> you yeah. know, I can't I can't speak for them or yeah. I can't speak for what um, a black male is thinking in Boston, Massachusetts versus mm. what a black male is thinking in South Central Los Angeles. And even if you dig it smaller, you can't you can't say what a what a black man is thinking that lives on that side of town versus a black man who lives on this side of town. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, no, I would have to do some heavy, um, either quantitative or qualitative research, and, and put that information out there. Yeah, and you know, I got it through testing. You could probably you know generalize somewhat to a culture, but. That would take a lot of work, man. A lot. A lot of people ain't doing that stuff. Yeah. They're just making assumptions. Mm-hmm. They're just assuming that I want reparations. Yeah. Well, why would you think that? Mm-hmm. Well, because you're... Because I'm what? Ooh. Because I'm what? Yeah. What is... Because I'm what? You're trying to categorize me into a group? Well, no, 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 no. I'm not trying to do that. Well... <laughs> so I guess the question... Yeah. I guess then that helps me I think in the next six just moving forward yeah. not and even in the timeline I, I just want to observe my own questions and interactions with black men and women mm-hmm. and ask myself you know that question am I asking questions or interacting with this person am I interacting with the individual mm. or am I in my mind interacting with the group mm. through this individual mm. that's a good point that's good mm. You let me know how that goes, Neo. <laughs> I will. I will. <laughs> you know, I had, um, anytime I get to, I guess, interact or like kind of go into culturally yeah. the black men and women culture, mm-hmm. like, uh, like for instance, I had an esports business. You know what esports is? You mean video games? Yes. Like uh-huh. competitive video yeah. games. And I had a partner and he was, okay. he was a black man. Okay. And, uh, I got to go hang out with family, and his, his dad passed away, and I uh-huh. went to the funeral with him. Yeah. It was such a, it was cool. You know, it was like such a positive experience. Mm-hmm. And, um, but like you said, all those individuals were completely different. You yeah. Know, they all have a shared culture. Right. They all have an individual expression right. of that culture. Yeah. Just like, you know, all, you know, Caucasians have a shared Western European culture. Right. We all have a, an individual expression of that culture yeah. as well. That's right. So. That's right. Yeah. Cool. Good. I wish more people were like having this conversation. I think these conversations are better had like this. Yeah. As soon as you put it like into a, we would like go out in that room right there into a forum. Yeah. It would just it would it's like herding cats, man. Yeah. It yeah. is. It is. You take on group think. Yeah. Yeah. And obviously, you're gonna have those like any group. You're gonna have those who are you're gonna have your extroverts who are gonna just wanna blah 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 blah, blah, blah yeah. right? Yeah. You have your introverts who probably have something to say. But they're not gonna say anything. And if they have a counter, then you have those that have a counter view. Group thing causes people to be like I'll just interesting. be quiet. That it is. whole that whole interaction is interesting. It is. That's why I really have them before I did them, I did these things called fishbowls and I had them uh, in groups. Right about different topics, but then I was steadily learning. It was like I'm not getting nowhere, so I started sitting down with people. Individuals, mm-hmm. and I tell people, "Hey, you want to talk to me? 
you hit me up. You pay for the coffee, I'll sit and talk. So, yeah. what, so I know you got to go, but what has been your experience um, just on average with the fish bowls, with the individual meetings versus the fish bowls that you have? Yeah, so it's interesting. So when I did the fish bowls, um, you know, I had several uh, fundamental principles I was ac- operating off of. One is... You know, the dignity of the individual. Two, everybody has the right to be heard. Three, everybody has the right to be heard even if you disagree with it, right? Um, so I was always practicing those things. And what I, the responses I would get from people would be thank you because I felt as if all three of those things was being accomplished, right? Mm. And they would say that. And so I was thankful for that even though I knew we're not about to solve the situation, Right, we had a big one like on the Confederate flag. Right, there was a big old Confederate flag rally here in Conway like a few years ago, and I had a big old discussion at local coffee shop, and uh, a lot of people came out, and there was opinions all over the freaking place. Right, from pastors that was there, and I was like, oh, right, from <laughs> regular old people that was there, old hat people, people who lived here in the South all their lives, people who just moved here. Right, yeah, um, but everybody was heard. Right. Uh, so that was good. But what's been more helpful is the one on one conversations that I've had with people. Like I've had a one on one conversation with someone who was a clan member. Really? Yeah, that was awesome. Like was currently a clan member yes. when you talked to him? Yes. Wow. Yes. I wish we had a time to drive into that. That was awesome. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I talked about that. And, uh, I mean, I had my view, he had his view, but we, he heard me, I heard him, right? Uh, and it was very respectful. I, I, I think in order to have these difficult conversations like that, one of the things you have to remember is you only know so much. And um, even if the view is quote-unquote detestable, right, um, and I mean detestable because it depersonalizes a human being or a group of people, right? Yeah. <clears throat> uh, not just simply because I don't agree, but because it, it tends toward the direction of... Oppressing. Oppressing or taking the life of a group of people, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, when you sit down and listen to that person, you're just like, okay, I know some more. I see you. I understand why you see the world the way it is, right? Mm-hmm. Or I had a misconception, I understand more. Yeah. You know, when the immigration thing was hot and heavy, I had a big discussion about that at the library. And again, people were coming from different sides, right? But everybody had a legitimate point. And it all boiled down to two things, family and safety. Both sides uh, coming from different perspectives, but if you sat down, uh, I sat down and boiled down all the information, and it came down to family and safety. Wow. wow. Okay, I want to, if you, as quick as you can, I yeah. want, the last question I want to walk yeah. with is, um, what do you think needs to happen to encourage more of these? Because, right, we've established that this is where real change can happen, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. But how do we, as people, encourage and like, spark more of these conversations in other people? Man, that has to uh, that has to come at us from all 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 sides. Right. So wherever the spaces we spend the most of our time. Right. Uh, we need to hear 
encouragement of sit down with somebody and get to know them, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, persons that are religiously minded, whether they go to a, a church or a synagogue, a mosque or whatever, they need to hear that. Like, sit down with somebody that's not like you. Get to know them, understand them, where are they coming from. Yeah. And I'm saying that because we live in a pluralistic society, yeah. like America, yeah. right? Yeah. So there can be, there should not be a dominating view, right? You're free to make up your own mind, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but we should be hearing that, I don't know, should be a commercial ran across TV or movie <laughs> screens. It should be advertised in our grocery stores, right? Sit down, listen to you know, sit down and just listen to somebody, right? I think yeah. that can go a long way. And that's uh, Jewish theologian Martin Buber talks about this concept of I thou and how the I thou is that experience where you and I sit down together and uh, you and I sympathetically engage in a conversation where you hear what it is I'm hearing, you sympathize with what I'm saying. You don't have to agree, but then it flips. I hear what you're saying, I sympathize with you. And in that moment, when, that, when there's that I hear you happens, I understand you. It is in that moment Martin Buber describes as the presence of the thou, or he would understand God, mm-hmm. you know, of uh, the realization that true personhood is there. Um, too many times we just keep looking at each other as this a can, a thing, an object to be uh, manipulated and used, and when we're done, toss it. Toss it. You gotta stop tossing each other. Because it's against the law to toss a human being. I think it is. Isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Man, thank you so much. Mm-hmm. Fine. Uh, yeah, I think it's so valuable. I think in the future it would be awesome without a cool assignment sit down again. Oh, yeah. I'm always up to talk. I like to talk. <laughs> One-on-one. Yeah, I'm, an intro- I'm an introvert. Thank you for listening to the Humanity Matters podcast. For more information, visit the website philipfletcher.org or send us an email at humanitymatterspodcast at gmail.com. And remember, as always, if we remember to live in hope, we can do the impossible. So be love, be kind, and be generous.